All right, Matt, football is officially back. We just wrapped Yippee. week one. <laughs> just wrapped week one. Uh, clearly, our fanatic here is super stoked that his Cowboys are back in Cowboy form. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll let him get into it a li- in a little bit. But, Matt, it's good to have football back. We had a crazy week one across the league. Uh, a lot of close games, overtime games, uh, just a lot of excitement. And it seems like everyone is ready for football to be back. Um, but you know what? I don't want to waste any time here. And I want to give the Fanatic his time to grieve on the 2022 Dallas Cowboys season. We're one game in, but he's already grieving it. So, uh, you know, Sunday night game had everyone watching. Cowboys were hosting the Bucks and uh Cowboys lost 19 to 3. A lot of storylines to take out of this game, but you know what, Matt, the floor is yours. So go for it, bud. You know, can I just say I can't wait for the season to be over? Um <laughs> You're so you excited. Know, it was a like... long off season and a very long week one and I I I'm ready for the season to be over with, so yeah, NFL, but hopefully it's over soon. But uh, let's see where to start. You know, I was fuming yesterday. I'm still fuming. But, you know, let's let's start with kind of breaking down the three aspects of the game. So offense, defense, special teams. So I'm going to save the best for last. So let's start with, you could say, the good in a way. So special teams, I'll start with special teams. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but Brian Anger, the my, my, my $9 million punter, was awesome. That's what awesome. I'm talking about. He was awesome. He I earned was, that $9 million yesterday. I was hyping him up, right, that. Matt? The whole offseason, I was hyping him up. I told you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the last guy I want to see on the field, first off. But Anger... And uh, our ex-kicker, who is now our current kicker, Brett Maher, uh, really was our offense. So congrats, guys. You guys are great. Um, But sticking with the good, so obviously, Greg, you said the final score, Tampa Bay 19, Dallas was 3. But if you told me going into the game that, oh, um, Dallas is going to hold Tom Brady to under 20 points, I would have told you, Oh, we're winning that game. Like, there's there's no way. Like, if we're going to win, it's going to be a shootout, like what it was last year. You know, a high 20s, low 30-point game for both sides. Um, So, really, I was shocked Um, because this was the classic example of bend but don't break because watching the game, you could really see it. Dallas was, you know, getting gashed offensively. I mean, excuse me on the ground uh playoff Lenny I guess came back to life had 100 yards rushing um but they really didn't have an answer for the run and Tampa was really moving the ball down the field but when they got into the red zone Dallas stood strong they gave up what one touchdown in the red zone out of 
I think it was five red zone attempts. So, hey, that's winning football right there on defense. And what did I say, Greg? In the preseason awards, I said the defensive player of the year was going to be one of my own guys, Micah Parsons. And I know I may sound ridiculous, and I said this before, but he's better than Aaron Donald, and he showed it. He absolutely showed it. Because when you need a play, that's exactly what Parsons did. Two sacks. Two sacks. I thought he could have had like five. But hey, two sacks. Key sacks, because they were both on third down, both in the red zone. And really, that saved the game to me. Because at that point, you're at that uh, kind of feeling where it's like, oh, if Tampa gets in the end zone, um, this one could get out of hand. And on both occasions, it was Micah Parsons making the play. Um, he really is something special. Whether you think he's the best defensive player in the league or not, you got to give it up to him. And you can't really deny the talent that he has because he's kind of a one-man wrecking crew right now. And he is he's the heart and soul of the team right now. Let me tell you that. Um, but yeah, I thought the defense played well. Trayvon Diggs, I thought he played pretty well too. He was breaking up those passes. Really, the only thing he really didn't do well was he gave up that touchdown to Mike Evans. But it's not like he was burned. And if it takes Mike Evans making a spectacular one-handed catch to score a touchdown, I can live with that. So I really, I was really encouraged with the defense. Um, not really shocked because you know Dan Quinn's back. Um, they really have that chemistry now. They know kind of the system that he wants to run. So I was very encouraged with that performance. But really, you know, to kind of knock them a little bit, um, it is a little concerning that it's kind of Michael or Bus, especially on the front line in terms of my line and my linebacker. So I need other guys to kind of step up. Um, mainly Demarcus Lawrence. He made maybe one play that I noticed, made a critical third down run stop. But if he's going to be my second best pass rusher, he's got he's to gotta win one-on-one -on -one battles. Because if Micah's getting all the attention, that's his time to eat. So I need guys like him. I need guys like Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, who they signed in free agency, I didn't even hear his name called. I didn't even know he played to one point. So I need guys like that to step up because Micah's going to get a lot of attention now, even more so because he's going to be rushing a lot more, which is great to see. Um, but I need those guys to step up and win at the line of scrimmage. But overall, uh, through the first game, hey, you held the GOAT to under 20 points. I got no problems with that. But that brings me to the last last point of football. So you got offense. I mean, you got special teams, defense, and now the offense. So there's so much to say with this 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 unit. It's okay, Matt. So, let it out. Let it out. You've been so wanting to yeah. Problems. I, I don't even know where to start. So let's just start with the fact that they scored three points. So obviously they're the only team this week that didn't score a touchdown. So that's already a cause for concern, but I'm going to start with um, the weapons. 
the weapons, or there I should say, the lack of weapons. And let's take a trip back down memory lane when Dallas traded Amari Cooper to Cleveland. I was not happy with that. And I'm pretty sure I said on this pod, they're going to regret it because I like the Mari Cooper. I know he's not a diva. He's not a, like a, I wouldn't say Devante, but he's not like a, I would say a Des Bryant in his prime, right? He's not going to chirp and talk. He's not that kind of guy, but he's a professional. He's going to show up and he can run some damn good routes. That's all I know. And what did we do to replace him? Right? Nothing. We didn't do anything. We just let him go. And we said, okay, we're just going to build through the draft. But are you going to get guys like CeeDee Lamb to just fall out of your lap like that? No. Not when you get a late first round pick and when you're drafting for other needs. I mean, they didn't even have to trade Amari, which is the thing. Because to me now, I understand that the salary cap means nothing. If the Rams can keep signing all these players last year, they're managing the cap. They're fine. They spent big in free agency this year. Like something they're doing is right. So why why can't we do that? Why can't we afford to keep Amari Cooper and figure it out? We can spread the money around. I'm sure guys would be willing to renegotiate their contracts. Heck, I'm sure Amari Cooper would have renegotiated uh renegotiated his contract to stay in Dallas over going to Cleveland. I mean, I'm sure he'd rather play in a dome with Dak Prescott versus Cleveland, Ohio with, at the time, it was Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, come on, Jerry. So you don't sign Amari. So you choose to sign Michael Gallup. And I like Michael Gallup, but he's coming off a torn ACL. You got a healthy Amari Cooper versus a injured Michael Gallup, who's not even playing yet. Coming off a torn ACL. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Jerry. And oh yeah, so you don't sign Amari. So I would think maybe we should keep Cedric Wilson too. But no, you let Cedric Wilson go too. So now you leave CeeDee Lamb all by himself. And you know, what did you expect? Tampa has three, four guys around him and everybody else can't beat one-on-one coverage. That's basically what it's going to be the entire year. And that's a knock on you, Jerry. Because you were so stubborn that you didn't want to get any weapons. You wanted to be cheap. You said back, I think it was two years ago, you said you would pay any price, any price to get back to the Super Bowl. And why aren't you doing that then? Wouldn't you just say, the hell with the salary cap, the hell with the money. If I'm trying to win a Super Bowl, I got to take risks. Money is not an issue with you, so what's your problem? Figure it out. Figure out how to manage the dang salary cap because all these other teams are doing it. And you're just so stubborn and you're so cheap that you're trying to win your way. You're trying to win with these low-budget players. Like, Yeah, you can fill in your gaps with those kind of players, but you can't win with a seventh-round pick being your main main receiver. That's just not going to be what it is. So I just, I I don't get that. I don't get that at all. And now l- let me move to, to the running backs. So we start off the game, probably our best drive was the first drive when we got a field goal. 
And to me, honestly, Zeke looked pretty good. Zeke looked pretty good. 10 carries, 54 yards, efficient running the football. But why 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 do you go away from that? You were consistently getting four or five yards a carry. Right? Just methodically move down the field. You, you keep Tampa off the sidelines. That's the best case scenario. Take time off the clock, score a touchdown. Tom Brady's sitting on the bench. That's what you want. And this is on Kellen Moore. This is on Mike McCarthy. Why in the hell are you calling a trick play on the first drive of the game? Like the trick play is supposed to be when you're kind of struggling and you're trying to get momentum. Right. This is the first drive of the game. Like everyone's just trying to get their feet wet. And you call this ridiculous reverse play. It's like a double reverse. So it takes long. And you already got an injured offensive line. I think McGovern already went down at that time. So you're playing with the backup, backup left guard in a sense. So like why? And that just killed the whole drive, it felt. Like we were marching down. I thought we were gonna score six on that drive. And you get so cute. You call two trick plays. There was one with Pollard. It was like a direct fake reverse with Doc lined up at wide. I was like, what are you doing? Like, stop trying to get cute. Stop trying to get cute. And then that brings me to when we talk about Pollard. So Mike McCarthy, another guy who I have a problem with on this organization, Telling me all offseason, oh, yeah, we're going to unleash unleash Tony Pollard. You know, we're lining him up out wide. We're lining up in the backfield. We're going to get him the ball. Well, then explain to me how he has two catches on two targets and he has six rushes. How is that unleashing Tony Pollard? And it wasn't like good Tony Pollard plays. Two of them were already on the trick play. So that's basically, what, four rushes? Four rush attempts? I mean, come on. Like, how do you not know how to use? I just I just don't get it. Because Pollard is kind of your X factor. And the guy who's going to kind of offset the loss of Amari Cooper, offset the loss of Cedric Wilson, offset the loss of Michael Gallup to start the year. Because he has that luxury and that skill set to line up in the backfield he can line up out wide. We saw that in college with him at Memphis. He can do it. So use that skill. He was already a better receiver, and you guys took that skill away from him. Like This is his time to, to be the Debo Samuel kind of player, and I've been advocating for that. And you just refuse to use him like that, and I just I don't understand. I don't understand. He's your most explosive player in offense. It's not CD. It's not Zeke. It's Tony Pollard. And you just, at this point, just get him the ball. Get him the ball 12 to 15 touches a game. And he's most likely, he's probably going to break one for 40 yards if you give him quality touches. Don't give him a direct snap and just have him run up the middle. That's not going to do anything. That's not his game. Like, figure it out. Get him on the edge. He's a speedster. You get guys like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, all these fast guys, they're going to break one eventually. You can't just give up on him like that. Just poor, just poor. And then going to another player 
who is also misused, or I should say not used at all. But we signed, and this is one of Jerry's pretty good signings, I would say, over the offseason. We signed Kevante Turpin, who really broke news in the preseason with his uh, his a big two touchdown game on special teams against the Chargers. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like is he the next Devin Hester? I didn't think that. I'm not going to get carried away. But he's explosive. He's explosive. And he was a receiver in the USFL. So again, we lost Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is injured. We lost Cedric Wilson. CeeDee Lamb is out there by himself. Somebody got to help him out in terms of drawing attention. So you got him, you got Pollard, and you just refuse to use him. Did you not watch the tape on Cavante Turbin? Did you see how explosive he was returning those kicks? Like, you're telling me you can't get him like a screen pass or a couple of jet sweeps in the game? Like, if that's the worst case, like, just get him the ball. Like, why are you... They kept throwing to this guy, Dennis Houston, who's a great story, great kid. But why is this guy keep getting targets when you got Tony Pollard and you got... Kevante Turbin, you got two speedsters. And I don't know if you were watching the game too, but what did Chris Collinsworth say? He kept saying this over and over. They gotta be able to stretch the field. And if you not, if you don't Chris, have Michael Gallup, Chris in his raspy voice, Collinsworth, oh, yeah. <laughs> and his lack of T. Yeah. But what what did I like? What did he keep saying? He said you gotta stretch the field. And if you don't have Michael Gallup, who's kind of your deep ball threat, he's a big receiver, stretch the field with speed. Pollard can run deep. He, I know he can do it. Kevontae Turbin, just tell him, run straight, outrun your guy. He can definitely outrun everyone in that Tampa defense, if you ask me. Like, just get them the ball. You got to get your playmakers the ball and let them do their thing. And Dallas just refuses to do that. I just don't get it. But, you know, let's move to another area that should have been corrected based off of the playoff game last year. So obviously in the 49ers game in the playoffs, they had that record-setting playoff record in terms of penalties. Well, guess what? We are right back on track, right on cue. Ten penalties in the game. Let me just say none of them were on defense. So again, shout out to the defense. Very clean. I like that. I know we're not going to have zero penalties the entire year, but I'm happy with that start. But eight penalties on offense. Eight penalties. Four of them came from Terrence Steele. Two of them on one drive. I mean, that's that's how you lose games. These pre-snap penalties just chilling us. We're moving the ball. We're moving the ball. Oh, false start. Oh, false start. Oh, holding. And then we end up getting a pretty good play. So we could have maybe second and five, second and three. And then the play gets wiped out. Now you're at first and 15. And the next play goes for five yards and you're back at the line of scrimmage. Well, that, guess what? You're at second and 10. You know what that would have been if you had a non-penalty play? A first down. So, I mean, you're just putting yourself in so many deep holes. It's It's just hard to overcome that. And you know that with the type of team that you have, with the lack of weapons and the lack of usage that you're not giving the ball to Pollard, you're not giving the ball to Turpin, 
Heck, you're not even giving the ball to Zeke. You only got 10 carries. So what do you think is going to happen when you get backed up in the chains? Typical. Typical Cowboys, right? And then, you know, let me let me just say, um, this is my last kind of negative player rant. I got to move to the quarterback because, um, you know, this guy, he's been driving me insane for the past maybe nine months. Um, but this man just keeps coming up small and small and smaller again. It's like typical, typical Dak Prescott, right? The big game, the big spotlight is on. You're expecting good things, and he throws a goose egg at you. That's that's Dak Prescott. And then when you're playing at 7 a.m. Hawaii time against the Detroit Lions, when nobody's watching, he's going to throw for 350 yards, three touchdowns, and you're going to win the game. But when you play Sunday night football against Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever it is, plays a dud. And this man got paid $75 million to suck in the playoffs. He sucked in the playoffs. And he sucked even more today or yesterday. He was terrible. Not even going to get to the injury part. But his play on the field was atrocious. Atrocious. And this is why. Let's start with, um, you know, the passes. The passes. He was always known to be, if you say it, accurate with the football. Um, he did throw one interception, probably could have got got away with two. Um, but he threw one interception, and it was like, "What are you doing, Dak? Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you were under pressure, so why are you even throwing the ball in the first place? Right? You don't. You're not taught to throw the ball in a triple coverage, in zone coverage, triple coverage. There's three guys there." You got one white jersey. What do you think is going to happen? Like, just things like that. What's better, an interception or a punt? I'd rather punt. At least you're going to pin them back. Like, just don't make the situation worse. And, and, and when you don't need that interception, it comes up at a critical time. And he got bailed out again. He got bailed out by Micah. They held him to three. So he got really lucky. And then let me let me get to... The opposite. So Dallas had one turnover against Tom Brady. It was a nice pick by Donovan Wilson. And this was their best starting field position of the day. And at the time, it was 19 to 3. But early in the fourth, and we're down 16. But as ugly as that looks, that's still a two possession game. So you can easily score two touchdowns in 10 minutes. And what do you do, Dak? What do you do? You got the ball at midfield, you got great field position. Crowds back into it. We got a turnover. You go three and out. Three and out. And you punt. Three and out. You're supposed to be the leader of the team. You cannot go three and out after your defense gets you a turnover against Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not going to turn the ball over that much. So you got to make him pay. And on that same drive, and this is, I was texting you about this too. This play made me furious third down it was third down Dak rolling out to the right 
He pump fakes. The defense collapses. I'm like, oh my God, Noah Brown's open. I see him. It's, it's like, it's going to be a first down. All you got to do is, is throw it up. It was like, you got to make that pass 10 out of 10 times. It wasn't hard. And you throw it behind Noah Brown. He has to twist his body and he misses the ball. That that is that just sucks the life out of your team. Like that's routine. Like Pop Warner kids are gonna make that throw because you're not putting any zip on the ball, right? You just gotta let your receiver go get it. Lead him, lead him to the boundary. So you missed that play. That would have gained probably 15 to 20 yards. Um, so now you're stuck at fourth down. And this play that they ran, so it's actually a, a good play i i guess because it was a fourth i think it was fourth and two um but they motion cd lamb and they snap it so he kind of has like a running start and this is kind of a play that i saw that uh, kansas city ran earlier they motion miko hartman and then it's a quick boom it's a quick pass out i mean it's unguardable it's an easy three to five yard game you, you know you can't stop that play Kansas City ended up, I think they scored a touchdown on that play. But if you're playing for two yards, you got CeeDee Lamb in motion. He's got the defender up on his heels. I mean, all you got to do is snap it and throw it out wide. It's going to be a gain of four, but it's going to move the chains. Right? And you throw, no, you don't throw to CD. You throw to uh, Dennis Houston. Dennis Houston. And he's guarded by Carlton Davis, who's their best corner. Like really, on the with the game on the line. This is basically the game. You're gonna go to Dennis Houston with uh Carlton Davis versus uh C.D. Lamb in motion with space versus uh you know was it Murphy Bunting? I don't know one of their nickel slot corners. I mean, come on, like if you're gonna go down, at least go down with Schultz or Lamb. Like get them in space. I mean, just. Poor reads. It was like almost like a predetermined read from Dak. Like I, I'm gonna go to Houston on this play. Like read the damn defense. You can see the guy giving up space when CD Lamb's in motion. So you should know he's he's gonna get that that gap for you to throw. I mean it's ridiculous, ridiculous, terrible quarterback play. And for the amount that he's being paid, he should give Jerry the money back. I mean, he has all this sleep number commercials and stuff. Like, hell, stop sleeping and watch film. Like, bruh, <laughs> unreal. But, you know, it, it's it's a rough, rough start because Dak ends up getting injured. And I obviously, nobody wants to see anyone get injured. Um, but Dak is out for six to eight weeks. And with my... uh. Hope's riding high before the season. Uh, it, it's not looking so good now. Um, but I'm not going to give up. It's one week. Let's let's pump the brakes on throwing in the towel. Um, because we do have Cooper Rush. Let me just say that. He went to Minnesota last year. He beat Kirk Cousins on Sunday Night Football. And look at Kirk Cousins now. Eh? He's kind of balling out right now under Kevin O'Connell. But... uh. Cooper Rush, he's not Dax level, but he has shown that he can win a game on the road. 
on Sunday night football. So let's let's not just say it's over. It's not it's not over. And I know there's a lot of noise that um Dallas should get a quarterback and you know they should be listening. I wouldn't rule it out. But you know let, let's look at things like this. So the, one of the big names is obviously Jimmy Garoppolo uh being the top quarterback to be on the market. And the way I look at it is yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo he might be a better quarterback than Cooper Rush, but if you dig deep into it, is he going to fit the system? Cooper Rush has was drafted by Dallas in 2017. He he knows Dallas inside and out, right? He was obviously the backup with Jason Garrett. He was the backup with Mike McCarthy, so he knows he knows the playbook. And if you get Jimmy G, say you trade for Jimmy G, he's got to learn the entire playbook in a week. When Cooper Rush had years and years to study the playbook and learn from Dak, right? You get all these quarterback meetings. That's how you learn. And you expect Jimmy G to learn all the plays in a week? Uh, I don't think so. So if Jimmy G is on the team, how many plays can you really call? There's what? Basic handoff left, handoff right, slant, go. Like you're not going to have all these flashy plays so it's going to be a basic offense and the way i see it now is you know if cooper rush can get us four and four by the time that comes back it gives you a fighting chance it gives you a fighting chance maybe not for the division but with the extra wild card spot obviously seven teams getting in you might be able to sneak in um and with their schedule I think it shapes up better in the later half of the season. So it is possible. It's possible. If Cooper Rush can weather this storm, uh, we're, we're not out. We're not out just yet. But uh, if it starts getting south, I'm going to say if we go 0-4, uh, we should tank. We should tank, tank the season. We'll get the first pick. We'll uh, get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. We'll trade Dak. We'll get three first-round picks. And... Uh, We'll win the Super Bowl next year. So I don't know. Because uh you can win, you can go sign players with a rookie quarterback deal. But I also do oh before I forget, I gotta shout out this this guy because I flamed him on our um our live stream during the draft, and that's Tyler Smith. So Tyler Smith is our starting left tackle now because of uh Tyron Smith's injury. And I gotta say. For your first game, not bad. Not bad at all. Gave up one sack, but it was really a miscommunication sack, so he didn't really like lose his one-on-one -on -one battle. Um, So one sack, I think he had maybe two pressures and a hurry over maybe 60, I think it was like 68 snaps played. And heck, he was going against Shaq Barrett, who's not an easy guy to guard, let me tell you that. So Tyler Smith, got to give you your flowers. I'm sorry I flamed you in our uh, draft live stream, but good start. We're going to build on that. But wow, that, that took kind of long. I wasn't really keeping track of the time, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, I think we got to talk about other games now, right? <laughs> uh, that's okay. You know what? While we're on this, let's just finish this segment up or this half up uh, with Dallas. So... 
I mean, you had a lot to say. I mean, I, I kind of knew you were going to say a lot, but I just wanted to touch on some of the things that you said uh, that I saw as well during the game. So at least for me, what really stood out was, I don't know if it, it was more so the scheme uh, that, you know, Dallas's offense was running or it was really just a lack of playmaking you know, outside of some of the receivers, because even CD was virtually non-existent, right? And when we talked about this, the Amari thing, right? When Amari left, we said, okay, hopefully CD can step up and just assume that number one receiver role. And when you're the number one receiver, all eyes are going to be on you. You're going to get all the coverages, right? And you're going to have to make the tough catches. You know, the balls are not always going to be perfect. Like, you know, a little bit behind you or a little bit here, you're going to have to take a hit sometimes. Um, and I thought that, you know, maybe CD just wasn't ready yet, but he looked frustrated. Like, his body language when I was, you know, watching the game, he looked like you could see he was, like, physically frustrated. Um, I don't know if that's communication with him and Dak, the plays that are being called. Um, but so I'm I'm kind of worried for this Dallas team, Matt, because you know last place at the division now. I mean, I I won't get too ahead of you know the Giants and well, the Giants put out a pretty impressive win I would say against Tennessee on the road. Washington played Jacksonville at home and they had to come back. That one I don't know. Well, uh, they still won, I guess. But, you know, Philly looks like their offense is clicking. They're going to be tough. Um, What is your – let's just see. What's your panic level right now? 1 to 10. 10 is completely abandoned all hope for the season. I would – well, it's not a 10 because we're only one week – you said we're one week into the season. Hey, you're the one saying I can't wait for the season to be over. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait because of the start. And truthfully, I don't want to go any games with Cooper Rush as my quarterback, to be honest. But I'm going to say I'm at a seven. Just a just seven. based on what, you know, not obviously what happened in this game, but how the rest of the NFC East is looking as well. Um, you're about a seven. Well, if you look at the NFC East, okay. If you take into account with what's happening with Dallas, I'm I would say I'm at a seven. But if you if you're just telling me just look at the teams in general, like a two. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be too Not a scared. Two. I I think it's the DAC injury. It's gonna. I mean, you're right. Cooper Rush pulled out a big win in Minnesota last year. He did have Amari though. It was a Cooper to Cooper. Remember, it was a Cooper to Cooper connection. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see. But you know, I don't know where's where's Tolbert. Is was he hurt? Yeah, he was inactive. Oh, okay. He was inactive. Because I was yeah. going to say, he's the big rookie, right? That was, you know, doing well during preseason. I'm like, who is this Noah Brown guy getting all the receptions? I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, he's been on the team for a while. He just doesn't play because they were so deep. <laughs> but, man, it's going to – it's going to – a lot is going to have to change. But it was just the penalties to me, like you touched on. It, if – I'm a Cowboys fan. I I knew their offense wasn't going to be as explosive, maybe, 
at least at the start, right? You got to take some time to figure things out. But coaching, to me, week one, it's how prepared is your team, right? Week one, you had the whole offseason. You had training camp. You had the preseason games. Who's ready to play disciplined football? And the Cowboys were not ready. Like you said, the one offensive lineman, Steele, I think. Right? He had two false starts on one drive and just too many penalties. Again, a Mike McCarthy team, right? You know, um, there's a lot. I, I was encouraged by Dallas's defense, though. Like you said, the bend but don't break. I think that'll help keep them in a lot of games this year. Uh, Tampa was running all over them, but when they got in the red zone, you know, couldn't really figure anything out. Like you said, I'll go back. You said so much. The Michael Parsons part, uh, I, I wanted to say he did look really good. He is probably their shining star on defense. Um, when the field is shortened like that, it was really impressive to me to see him like be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, knowing that Tom's gonna have to make a quick throw anyway, and he's still blowing up, you know, the pocket like that. So good things. Uh, my defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt, was looking really good until he got hurt. I just want to say that, like, he picked off Burrow and like he had a couple sacks, I think. So I was like, oh man, I got this thing in the bag. And then I saw him like limping off the side to the sideline with his shoulder hanging. I was like, oh no. Uh, but you know what? We can get into the rest of the NFL uh, after our break. But, man, rough week one for you, Matt, and Cowboys fans everywhere. Um, but, uh, you know, remember this feeling, Matt, because if Dallas ends up having a pretty good season, you're going to look back in uh, hopefully several weeks and be like, oh, I was so worried then, but things turned around. Or it'll just keep sucking. I don't know. <laughs> You know, if you're going to keep sucking, at least try to get the first pick. I mean, you know, get something out of it. Don't, <laughs> don't, let's not go eight and eight or eight and nine, something like that. Like, let's either make the playoffs or uh, get the first pick. Don't be like no little five, six, seven, eight win team. I don't want any of that. <laughs> all right. Well, Matt got all his Cowboys talk out. Um, We'll take a little break, and then we'll be back to discuss the rest of the games that happened this week. Okay, so Matt got his long Cowboys talk out of the way. Let's get to the rest of the games that happened, because believe it or not, there were a lot of other fun games to watch, other than, you know... Matt suffering for three hours or whatever. So let's kick it off with the NFL season opener, Rams-Bills, right? A lot of hype around this game. Rams Super Bowl champs. We know how good Josh Allen looked at the end of the playoff run last year. 13 seconds away from a Super Bowl and, you know, potentially a Super Bowl ring for him and the Bills with how they were looking last year. Um, But I guess we'll have to see how they look this year but let's get into the game thursday night game uh immediate takeaways for me i'll get into it uh so the rams really showed to me it was just like a lack of urgency you know i don't know if it's that super bowl hangover 
everyone talks about. But they looked a little flat other than, you know, obviously the, the stud Cooper Cup. He's still out there doing his thing, winning routes, finding soft spots. Uh, the body control, the technique, everything's still there. He looks crisp. But, you know, we didn't see a lot from Allen Robinson. Cam Akers was basically a no-show. I think he, he put up zero points in fantasy. Um, you know, and they benched him, I think, because... McVeigh said he wasn't showing enough energy or urgency or something like that. Um, the defense, you know, Jalen Ramsey, not really looking like that same shutdown corner Jalen Ramsey of old, right? He got burned a couple times. I think he let up two touchdowns. Uh, that long one to Diggs, not sure what kind of quarters coverage he was playing, but he was playing like really up and Diggs just ran right by him. I don't know if that's a scheme thing. I don't know if that's coaching or what, but, um, you know, then on the flip side, the Bills, uh, I would say their offensive and defensive line kind of dominated this game for the most part. I think Aaron Donald had one sack maybe, but that was really all I saw from him. I think, you know, they don't have Von Miller anymore or they don't have that second guy that can really take advantage uh, of a defensive line putting two guys on Aaron Donald, and I think that showed. Uh, especially in this game, the Bills' offensive line looked really good, and their defensive line looked even better. I mean, they were getting after Stafford, hurrying him. He wasn't able to sit comfortable in the pocket, made him throw uh, several picks. And then the Bills' offense, I mean, Josh Allen, right off the jump, looked extremely sharp. I mean, like, he was hitting every single guy he wanted to, every single read. Kind of got a little hiccup there when um, McKenzie dropped the ball for the pick. I don't know if that threw off his rhythm a little bit because then he had a bad pick, right? The next drive, uh, that one was on Josh. But other than that, he looked really sharp. He's running, taking hits, you know, uh, taking on like six guys while they're trying to drag him down with one leg. <laughs> He's dunking on dudes at the goal line. Like Josh hey, Allen. Ran through Bobby Wagner. At yeah, the ran through Bobby Wagner. <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen, he just has the eye of the tiger right now, I think. And uh, I think he smells the blood in the water, and he's going to go after it this season. He looked really good. Uh, just the running backs, even the running game looked a little bit, you know, juiced up from last season. Zach Moss and Singletary both contributed, you know, in the passing game as well. Then they got Gabe Davis, our breakout guy, right? We're both high on Gabe Davis this year. And, you know, he had the that leak out for the touchdown. Diggs is still doing Diggs things. Bills look tough, man. I don't know. It's kind of a tale of tale of two sides. One team with the fire and one that was just kind of lacking it for me. Um, but yeah. That, that Let me. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with Buffalo on this side. So, hey, my MVP looking pretty good right now. I know it's only one week, but. Yeah, Josh Allen, <laughs> just a beast right now. But yeah, I think the Bills, I think you can tell they're hungry. They're really hungry. I mean, I think it was, well, obviously last year they had the heartbreaking loss to Kansas City. And the year before they lost to Kansas City in the end of the AFC championship. So they're really, they're just trying to take that next step. Just got to get to that big game. And you could tell, I mean, they're on a mission this year. They obviously signed Von Miller. 
who I'm sure was hungry for this one, you know, playing against his old team. Um, but like you said, man, that defensive line, it's kind of scary, kind of scary. And I know the Rams have a lot of injuries up front and they're missing their, uh, uh, what do you call it? Trustworthy left tackle from the Super Bowl team, Whitworth, due to retirement. But man, Buffalo's, they got like seven, eight guys coming in. So everyone is fresh. They can attack relentlessly every down. I mean, I think teams that that's got to be the way to to build your defensive line, right? You keep your guys fresh. They can just attack endlessly. And we saw that Stafford was really uncomfortable the entire night. So uh, Buffalo complete offense. They got a complete defense. Whew, I don't know. I don't know who's going to stop them in the, the AFC this year, but they look to me like the early week one favorite coming out of the AFC. But Let's go to the Rams. So obviously they're the defending champs. They're having their ring ceremony night. They were probably more focused on that than the actual game itself, I think. <laughs> because uh it, they got kind of exposed. Um, and I know we talk about this too, but other than Cooper Cup, uh, who else is Stafford really looking for? Because uh I don't think he can go another 16 games just uh, staring down Cooper Cup every single pass. Right, and we saw this in the Super Bowl, obviously. So I don't know if that's just kind of like the way he's thinking now. You know that Super Bowl drive, everything Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. Um, and in times like that, I feel like yeah, you can live with that because the money's on the line. You want to live or die with your best player. But to get through a regular season, that's really not sustainable, because teams can adjust to that, and. I'm looking at Stafford. Like, how do you only target Allen Robinson, your big free agent signing at wide receiver? I think he had what two targets the entire game. And it's not like he wasn't open. I just think he's not looking at him. <laughs> Chris Collinsworth, the man with the who needs a T during the game, but um he did say that Allen Robinson, he's getting open, he's winning routes, but Stafford's just not looking his way. I mean, it's it's truly, I'm going to live or die with whatever Cooper Cup is doing. And that's not going to work. That's not going to work at all. So, I don't know. I don't know. They still have OBJ's locker in the locker room. And um, I, I think, um, yeah, I think they're, they're going to get OBJ. I think this game really shows that they really miss him. Because Stafford had that chemistry with him and with him, Cooper Cup, to some degree, Tyler Higby, you, know, you could tell. Now, Stafford doesn't really have that connection with Allen Robinson yet. And I think he will over time, but yeah, you can't just keep looking at Cooper Cup the entire game. I'm not saying that selfishly for fantasy purposes, but I don't like I don't care. If that was my guy in Dallas. You can't throw it to CD Lamb fifty times a game. That's not gonna work. Everybody else gotta get in get into a rhythm too. Um so to me it's the lack of depth on the Rams and then on the defensive side, same, same model. Aaron Donald's the man. He's gonna get double team. So who's gonna be that second pass rusher? Last year it was Von Miller, obviously a Hall of Famer. So 
I'm looking at Leonard Floyd. Like, uh, where were you? I did not hear your name called at all. I mean, I don't know if I maybe missed it, but where were you, Leonard Floyd? Because that's your time to eat. You know Aaron Donald is going to get two guys mostly every play. So you got to be the guy that wins on the edge. And if you can't do that, which he really didn't, uh, Josh Allen or whoever quarterback is playing there is going to have a lot of time to throw. So they need more from their their uh, complementary pieces. And the last guy to me, it's uh, Jalen Ramsey. So if you're the best corner in the league, you can't be getting cooked that bad on prime time. And it wasn't just Diggs. It was Gabe Davis. It was Isaiah McKenzie. Like it was whoever, like Josh Allen said, I'm not scared of you. I'm going to attack you. I trust my guys. And if Jalen Ramsey doesn't have that edge, that swagger, they better watch out because uh, it's kind of him or bust in the secondary too. So overall, that lack of depth is really, it, it showed to me during this game. And yeah, the Rams, I wouldn't say they're a lock to win the NFC right now. Ooh. NFC, it's kind of up in the air now. I think it's the Bucks to lose, but we can get into that stuff um, as the season goes on. Good stuff from the Bills. Rams got a lot to figure out. Um, I think it was smart of Odell to kind of not sign now, um, or I think it's going to favor him now because there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking for wide receivers. Green Bay, you know, um, the Rams, a lot of other teams throughout the season are going to be looking for for some receivers. But, okay, you know what? Let's get into tonight's game. So it's November 12th, Monday night. You know, wasn't I wasn't expecting this game to be too exciting, but it turned out to be kind of a banger. So uh, Denver back in C- – or Denver and Seattle, Russ back in Seattle, right? First game back. And I think everyone at least – um, you know, most people thought Denver was going to come in and kind of stomp Seattle. I I was expecting it. I thought, you know, I think the line was seven. I think I thought Denver was easily going to cover that. Um, but you know, things went Seattle's way. Maybe it was just that Seattle rain or Seattle weather. The twelfth man getting in Russ's head, but Seattle was able to pull out the victory tonight. A lot of interesting storylines from this game as well. I'll start off with Seattle. Uh, So first, Geno Smith, the man replacing Russ, looked pretty good, I would say. That first half, he played really well. Second half, you know, kind of started to... I think the Denver defense started to figure out what Seattle was doing a little bit. Um, But he played pretty much, you know, mistake-free football, took care of the ball. I think, uh, you know, game manager-esque, he can put his head down and run. Little bit like Marcus to me, you know, never really always got that fair chance all the time. Has some athletic ability. I don't think he's as as athletic as Marcus. Um, but you know, he's a solid cute like backup fringe starter QB. I think he he did well. Um DK, you know, not too much of an impact in this game. I mean he fumbled. Uh that was kind of a big fumble when they started to get momentum again, Tyler Lockett, nowhere to be found. Uh, but, you know, their run game looked really good with Penny 
uh, with Rashad Penny. And, you know, for the most part, I thought Seattle's offensive line held up much better than I was anticipating against, you know, Bradley Chubb and uh, your ex-cowboy, right, Randy Gregory, now on uh, the Denver D-line. I mean, he he had a – I think he was the one that punched out the ball from – Forced the uh, fumble. Yeah, forced that yeah. fumble from DK. Uh, took Denver a little bit to wake up their defense, I think, a little bit. I think they were kind of like everyone else, like, oh, we'll just come in. Seattle, they're washed now. You know, they don't really – have a chance and Seattle came out and kind of hit him in the mouth and I think shook him a little bit but you know in that fourth quarter uh the Denver defense I thought stepped up pretty well uh Bradley Chubb had two big sacks in the fourth quarter uh key moments forced a fumble they didn't recover but that was a big moment for me um but you know I I think there's there's room for excitement in Seattle uh, you know, maybe you hopefully try to get a quarterback that's more of a franchise quarterback and build a little bit more um around the defensive side of the ball as well. Um uh, I think they did okay though against Russ. So let's let's get into that. Uh Denver. Um a lot of questions for me. I think they have they have the talent now. Uh you thought Russ didn't have such a great game. I thought he it was okay. Uh, nothing special to me. He didn't have an amazing game. Uh, hard for me to put a lot of the blame on him with the two fumbles, you know, inside the one yard line, right? Um, obviously, even if they get three out of those possessions, it's huge. But you know, hard for me to knock Russ. That's at least twelve points right there, wiped off the board. Not really his fault, right? It's not like he threw a pick or he fumbled or anything. Um, but I will say some of the coaching um, that I just had questions on from Nathaniel Hackett, you know, Shannon Sharp touched on this, the kind of the bell cow system, right? You, you lead with one guy. And when that guy doesn't have, you know, needs a spell, right? You go to your second string. That's how it's traditionally been done. We start to see a lot of these RB tandems. Now I've always thought uh, it seems like as a runner, as a running back, right? It helps to get in a rhythm with the offense, the offensive line, how the game is going to have, you know, kind of one guy. And I think Javante Williams can be that guy. He had the costly fumble, but, you know, he's about 230. Like, he's a stout dude. He can run through you and he can make you miss, as we saw, like, several times on that, you know, that last drive. I really like what I see out of him. Yeah, he's got some wiggle. Yeah, he has wiggle. He can catch the ball, right? And he can put his head down, I think, and run, run you over. Um, so that's one thing. And let's just get to that last drive. Um, I just didn't like the time management, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, so Javante Williams, he picked up one a key first down, and instead of going out of bounds, I don't know if this was the coaches or it was him, but it's almost like he purposely stayed in bounds, right? So I'm thinking that's the coaching telling him, hey, stay in bounds. We want to try to milk this clock down. At that point, to me, you're already playing for a field goal, Right. Like I get, you know, you wanna you don't wanna leave any time for the other team, but you know, you pick up the first time, get out of bounds, you you save your timeouts, you know, you're trying to go for the win, in my opinion, right? And uh even, you know, it was that third and whatever, thirteen, Javante Williams makes a guy miss crucially, right? Um, gets into I guess field goal range for McManus, right? Sixty four <laughs> yards. 
But even, you know, Peyton, Shannon, uh, Eli, everyone's like, what are they doing? Why are they not calling a timeout? Because it's fourth and five, you know. Uh, I thought I just thought you got to go for it. It's fourth and five. You know, you make this a little bit more manageable of a field goal. You you don't trust Russ to get five yards. He can run. You know, you can pass. He's been I mean, he moved the ball well all night for the most part. Right. It wasn't like he had 100 yards passing. Uh, but just yeah, not he had 300 calling. yards. Yeah, he had 300 yards passing. Uh, they were moving the ball. You know, it was I, they couldn't convert once they got in the red zone, but they were moving it all night. So to not go for it and leave it to a you know sixty four yard field goal from McManus, uh, it was just like I couldn't tell if it was indecision or he was dead set on making you know going for the field goal and just milking the clock. I don't know. Either way, but to me that wasn't the right way to go. Kind of a tough break. I mean, if McManus makes that, I guess Hackett looks like a genius, right? Um, but still I I like I would have trusted Russ to get five yards there. I mean, they were moving the ball all night. That was just my takeaway. Um, uh, but tough loss for Denver. They're gonna need to figure some things out if they're gonna compete with the big boys in the AFC West, man. Because the rest of those teams <laughs> the rest of those teams look pretty good, so uh, Nathaniel Hackett better figure some stuff out. That's all I've got to say. I think I'm with you starting with more more for Denver, but I, I don't know why they don't unleash Javante. Even from last year. I know like he was a rookie last year and they had Melvin Gordon. But this year, like we all thought this was Javante Williams' time. Even if they signed they signed Melvin Gordon back in the offseason, but I thought he was just going to be, you know, a 1B running back, right? Like, he's literally going to spell Javante. And it it shocks me because I just look at the eye test and I'm like, man, he's he's explosive. <laughs> like, he can catch. He can run. He can run by you. He can run through you. And not, nothing against Melvin Gordon because he's a terrific running back, but Javante is just better at this point in his career. He's younger, he's fresher. Um, and I just think, you know, you have a guy like that. He kind of reminds me, I don't think he's like Jonathan Taylor-esque in terms of a bell cow like that, but can he handle 20 carries a game? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Can you get Melvin Gordon 10? Yeah, I think you can too. I think that's a great tandem, but Melvin Gordon shouldn't be out carrying Javante. Like, no, 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 no. That that that's that's a recipe for disaster to me. And then kind of touching on what you said. So you said that Rust played pretty well, and I think he did, but the only thing that I kind of knocked Russ on is some of his decisions or like his passes were just a, a little off. And even from the beginning of the game. Uh, the first drive, first pass, just overshot the tight end. Uh, he was basically wide open, simple out route, get your rhythm, sailed it over his head. And then same drive, um, I think I forget the tight end's name, but he made like a one-handed catch. But if Russ puts that pass on the money, he's probably scoring a touchdown. So just little things like that. Russ was a little off and... I, I think, you know, nothing against him, but I think he, he was like, damn, this is what it feels like to be against the 12th man, you know? I think 
I think they're in his head a little bit. And I mean, it's hard. <laughs> I'm not faulting him for that because he did play there for over 10 years. So it's a different experience, but some of his throws are a little off. And I thought you make one or two throws. That's, that's a difference. And obviously I'm not going to touch on the fumbles because they don't fumble. They win. Let's keep it at that turnovers. Lose you the game. Um, but I want to talk about the last the last drive too. So you said Javante should have went out of bounds on that one play. I think it was right after the two minute warning. But I I actually disagree with that because I think they were moving the ball by not going out of bounds. I think he got a, a few extra yards. Um, but they really weren't in a rush to in terms of time. They had all three timeouts. They're really they're moving the ball well. They're across, I think they're at least at midfield. So you're only 10 yards out from at worst getting a field goal. So I was like, okay, like this is good. They're keeping their tempo. And I think that was what was was key. Because if you go out of bounds, then Seattle's going to sub. Denver's going to huddle. Um, and then just, you know, everyone can reset. But I think by keeping that clock running, you know, you keep Russ in a rhythm. That's the way to go. I, I like that cutback by Javante. But going back to the, the the kick decision. So I think it was third and 15. Javante gets that nice catch. Gets about 10 yards, fourth and five. So there's about 50 seconds left. So they wasted 30 seconds. Like, why? Why do you waste 30 seconds? Like, if you're losing, isn't time against you? Like, wouldn't you want to save that time or call timeout and then go for it with 50 seconds? Like, I didn't understand that. I mean, I think everyone was saying this on Twitter, all the NFL analysts. I mean, you paid your quarterback the big bucks. This is why you pay the quarterback the big bucks to go win you fourth downs and to give you a game-winning drive. And you're going to put it in the hands of McManus, who's one for eight in career 60 yard plus kicks. Like, I don't know. I mean, I I would trust Russ in that situation, like you said. So I think it's a it's a learning experience for Nathaniel Hackett. And I hope it doesn't come back to bite him in terms of seeing this kind of trend of bad decisions to come. Yeah, you know, honestly to me, when I was watching the game, it like in real time, it's almost as if they were trying to decide whether or not they really wanted to go for it it's like okay do we have a play okay if we have a play let's go let's maybe see the look right that they give us and then if we don't like it okay timeout whatever but it was like this it, it seemed like it was indecisive i don't know if before they called the you know fit with 50 seconds left okay we're gonna run this clock and we're gonna take the field goal if that's what the decision was all right i mean that's your decision whatever uh, but to me, I mean, first of all, to me, that's the wrong decision. But second of all, it was like they, they didn't know what they wanted to do. So take the yeah. time out, right? At 50 seconds, take the time out, then talk about it, right? Don't waste the, the game clock talking about it because then you're like, oh, we only have 20 seconds left, right? It's like, because at that point, right, then you can't really, I mean, you can try to go for it, but you're still only playing for a field goal, right? Like, you take the timeout at 50 seconds, you convert the first down. Hey, we can still go. We still have a chance for a touchdown, 
right? We we can still score here, or at least get way closer. Uh, yeah, you know, chip shot, field goal, chip yeah. shot, field goal, right? At least take the time to talk about it. But it's like you let the time go. Okay, now you're settling for the this long field goal, no matter what. If it's not a sixty yard, it's gonna be a high fifty yard at this point, right? So that to me, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> We'll hey, but the the, the, the kick on. by McManus, I think if it's a sh- high fifty yard kick, it's probably good. It's probably good. Like, right? he, he just missed it. Yeah. So you get seven yards on that fourth down play. He kicks probably. the same kick. It it go. It probably goes in. So mm-hmm. that's why you go for it. <laughs> <sighs> well, there are a lot of exciting games across the league, and uh, I want to just touch on a couple. Um, obviously I said, you know, Tua and Marcus, I would be following this year. So let's start with, uh, Tua. So the Miami New England game, uh, pretty much nothing too crazy happened. New England just has no playmakers on offense. Uh, the Miami defense just ate up Mac Jones and that offense. Uh, they're just too fast for, for all the playmakers out there. They had one good drive. That was it. Um, you know, Miami, their offense is still coming together, I think. Uh, they definitely use Tyreek Hill a lot, though. He's going to be a big focal point in this offense, I think. Uh, they still need to figure out their run game, surprisingly. I thought that was going to be their strong suit with McDaniel, you know, at head coach and running this offense. Uh, all his, you know, the Shanahan schemes, right, they always talk about. Um, still have some work to do on that uh, department. Their offensive line, I mean, they got Teron Armstead, but that was really the only piece they got this offseason. There were still sometimes Tua is looking straight at free rushers coming at him. It was a little rough, I'm not going to lie. Good to see Tua, though, uh, with a little more pocket awareness. Hopefully, you know, he can stay healthy because uh, this line is still not at tip-top shape. It's not one of the – I wouldn't even put it in the top half of the offensive lines, even with Teron Armstead. Uh, I he looked great on you know every time they ran his way it was fine but they still have a lot to figure out on that side but Tua did enough you know New England not really that same threat that they used to be um but you know it was a good week one I mean he had a almost 80 QBR I think he finished fifth in the league uh in QBR this year or sorry this week um uh just for kicks Dak had a 15 and Mac Jones had a nine. So at least Dak wasn't last. I mean, Mac Jones's QBR was 9.7. That's that was pretty rough. And <laughs> all I gotta say is how much money is Mac Jones making and how much money is Dak Prescott <laughs> making? That's yeah, all that's I gotta true. say. That's true. But uh hey, not bad for two of the top, you know, number five in QBR. Uh not bad. Uh but you know, they're gonna have a tough, tough task coming up. I think they play Baltimore next week. That would be a good one. Uh, then we get to Atlanta. Oh, this is a heartbreaking one. You know, classic Atlanta. Classic Atlanta. <laughs> Marcus can't escape the Atlanta curse. Sixteen point lead in the fourth quarter. Blew it. Um, I thought Marcus was gonna get a lot of heat from like Falcons Twitter and stuff. As I was looking though. It was just the same, you know, they're hammering the coaching. Because uh, I didn't watch the game, right? But apparently they were having a lot of success blitzing Jameis, right? So they're blitzing him all game. They only scored 10 points in three quarters. 
right? So they're sending heat, sending heat all game. Jameis can't get comfortable. They're sacking him. Fourth quarter, they start to play what? Prevent. Prevent defense. They're calling off the dogs. Here goes Jameis. Boom, boom, boom. Two t- touchdowns for Mike Thomas, right? And, uh, of course, they end up taking the lead. Uh, Marcus did have, like, one red zone fumble. He also, like, bobbled a snap. Um, that led to, like, you know, same thing. Arthur Smith was in this, like, do we go for it on fourth and one? No, okay, we're going to punt, you know, punt it away. Jameis hits some game-winning field goal. Uh, and then, you know, Koo isn't able to uh, clutch it up. But at least, you know, this Atlanta team, they're young, right? Uh, no one expected them to come out and win this game. They were at home, but, you know, they were competitive. Um, and uh, they were against a good New Orleans defense. And they, they ran the ball really well. I think they had, like, 200 yards rushing. Marcus had 70. So, you know, it sounds like they're going to take what the defense gives them. Because they took away Kyle Pitts and the vertical threat completely. So, you know, it's good to see Marcus can recognize and Arthur Smith, you know, they're recognizing hey, they're not they're gonna play that too too deep safety look. All right, we're gonna run it down your throat until you make us uh, adjust. So, you know, people are gonna sleep on Atlanta this year. I think they're gonna cover a lot of a lot of the lines that people aren't expecting. Uh not a terrible game for Marcus. I mean, he he was pretty efficient, you know, had the costly fumble happens right um him trying to make a play but you know atlanta's gonna upset some people this year i think uh if they're not careful so good start there um okay well i'm just gonna run through some of these games really fast the niners chicago game was ugly uh michael if you're listening i'm sorry but me and matt were right trey lance is not ready (laughs) I mean, I'll say it was raining. We'll I'm older brother. I'm always right. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give him that. Right? Okay, it was raining. Um, but Justin Fields, you know, it wasn't pretty, but he did enough against a pretty good San Francisco defense. Helps when the San Francisco offense isn't doing anything. Um, uh, but you know, he did enough to get the win at home. Uh, one of those ugly wins, but flash the athletic athleticism, right? the playmaking ability and uh good things from our uh very highly touted uh Justin Fields uh pick this year. So that was good to see. This Pittsburgh Cincinnati game was an absolute oh, mess. <laughs> Joe Burrow could not figure out anything in the first half. Um he ended a game the game with five turnovers, but in typical Joe Burrow fashion, right? Clutched up at the end. Um to me, though, Pitt, Pittsburgh's offense, you got to score more than 21 points if your defense is giving you five turnovers, right, during the game. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Mitch, the numbers looked okay, but you need more than 21 points in regulation if your defense is going to do that. Um, And so, but, you know, Joe Burrow hung in there. Cincinnati hung in there. And uh, it was just a fiasco of special teams at the end. I mean blocked extra point missed two missed field goals and then finally the field goal uh by uh boswell i mean i guess long snappers are crucial because it affects the timing of the whole (laughs) kick right man um tough one for cincinnati they'll be okay though i think um pittsburgh's defense without tj though gonna be interesting because he was all over the field uh like i was saying my 
he was my pick for defensive player of the year. I don't know if I get a mulligan because he's hurt, but um, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he did look dominant though when he was on the field. I mean, he was everywhere. Um, yeah, that that was a crazy one. Uh, Philly and Detroit. Both offenses look good, I guess. I mean, maybe this is a good sign for you. Detroit scored 35 points on that Philly defense. Uh, hopefully a good sign for you. A.J. Brown looks good, though, in, in that I was a little concerned, you know, with Jalen Hurts as a passer, not so much as a playmaker, but uh, he fed A.J. And uh, that offense is going to be scary, especially Miles Sanders is back. Um, that rushing attack is going to be no joke with Jalen uh, running as well, so... I don't know. Maybe, probably the biggest threat to your Cowboys, right, Matt? Is the Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, right now? definitely. Yeah, I can't sugarcoat that. <laughs> we um, can't stop the run. They run the ball well, so it'll. Yeah, it's interesting. We gotta, we gotta flip that. Um. All right, Baltimore and New York, uh, Jets. I should say. So Lamar didn't sign, right? We were gonna touch on that. Lamar didn't sign. Uh, he's betting on himself this year off to a decent start three touchdowns uh and a pick i mean he was playing the jets i don't know if they had to do too much right uh they couldn't really run the ball against the jets a little concerning if i'm baltimore um but you know it's jets they'll take the win week one uh not too bad there jacksonville and washington i was never gonna watch this game to be honest <laughs> uh I mean, why not it's carson wins i guess carson Wentz came back they, they were up big, and then they lost the lead because it's Jacksonville, right? He was able to pull one out. Curtis Samuel, anyone listening? Curtis Samuel, one to watch on waivers. Uh, Washington won, though, so, you know, part of that three-way tie for first. Cleveland and Carolina, another mess of a game. Came down to a 58-yard field, like, bomb from Cleveland to win it. I heard there was a controversial call Skip was not happy about. Uh, was there roughing the passer or something? I forget what it was. Yeah, something like that. Dave the he's just, he's the pro Baker, yeah. no matter what he does. Yeah, he's so. just a pro Baker guy. Um, Indy and Houston? What the heck happened to Indy here? They tied with Houston? They were going to lose, and then he scored, I don't know how many, like 13 points or something in the yeah, fourth. They are down two touchdowns. Or down two touchdowns, came back in the fourth to force a tie. I'm a little concerned if I'm Indy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I mean, maybe Houston's better than we think, but you know, you brought in Matt Ryan to put you over the top, right? To get to the playoffs and take you to that next level to compete with the big boys. Little bit of a concerning start if I'm Indy. Uh, but at least Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, the rest of the offense look pretty good. But they threw it 50, 50 times. They, I mean, they only put up twenty points, so. Little bit of mm-hmm. cause of cause for concern there. Uh Giants, Tennessee, Saquon's back, I think. He looks good. They like they have Saquon. a line. Um he's making guys miss. He's running through people again. He has that energy that I like to see. Uh but Tennessee did have a chance in this one. Got the ball back after they were down. Got into field goal range and another kick to determine the game. And this time uh Tennessee just hooked it. Um so good win for New York, tough win for Tennessee. They're going to need all the wins they can get, I think, in that AFC. It's going to be tough. Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, Rodgers, 
doesn't trust any receivers is pretty obvious uh, after Christian Watson, right, dropped that first play bomb that would have been a touchdown. Barely looked at him again. Uh, Justin Jefferson looks unstoppable. He looks is probably going to be the best receiver in the league, I think. Um, and Minnesota is my favorite to win that division. Uh, Kansas City, Arizona. Oh, man. Kansas City did not miss a beat. They heard all that talk of, oh, what is Kansas City going to do? Uh, let's go ahead and hang 44 in Arizona in week one. Uh, how about that to shut up all the haters? Mahomes looked great. Kelsey looked great. Uh, Kyler, you know, I mean, nothing too impressive. I think a lot of the scoring came in the second half when the game was pretty much over anyway. Cliff, I think on the hot seat, this might be his last year if he can't, you know, make the playoffs and show us something. Because this is uh this isn't college anymore. You got to start winning. Uh, and you can't just put up you know big offensive numbers. You got to play some defense. Um, Kansas City, I think, is gonna be Buffalo's biggest threat. After after watching that game, they look like they haven't missed a beat. Uh, and then finally, I hope so... they play in the playoffs though. <laughs> that would be a fun game, revenge game for Buffalo. Uh, finally, Vegas, uh, at the Chargers. So Derek Carr kind of falling into that Aaron Rodgers trap of force-feeding Devontae the ball. A little bit too much, I think. Devontae still had like 10 catches, though. But, you know, a little bit too too much looking at Devontae for me. You still got Renfro, right? You got to spread the ball around. Like you said, it can't be another cup just looking one way. Herbert looked good. Uh, Chargers defense looked good. So, uh think it's going to be them and Kansas City battling it out for for the AFC West but that's my quick rundown of the league um let's stick around we'll get into some UH football and kind of round this whole episode out it's going to be a long one but uh thanks guys and we will be right back All right. Well, let's round out this week one of week one NFL episode with some college football. So we got to talk about our bows. We went into Michigan and uh, pretty much what was expected. Uh, at least we did cover. Right? We that's covered. A, that's hey. a win. That's a win. It. I did go all the way up to fifty two, but you know what? We'll still take it. Um. Because yeah, Michigan did whatever they wanted with with us. Uh kind of hard for us to take anything out of this game, right? We're playing way over our heads. Uh at least we, you know, pretty we competed the whole game. I didn't think there was a lack of effort. Um uh, at least we scored a touchdown. I I was just happy we scored the touchdown. Um I think the whole island was, I mean, for all the betters, right? That was the the one that won the money. So, yeah, fifty two is just so Gosh. so much. I'm glad we we did cover fifty two though. Um, but yeah, not too much to say about this one, to be honest. Uh, it... it's just it was just like men against boys, you know. Even Roman Wilson, is that the same Lewis yeah. boy? Yeah, scored the oh. first touchdown. Yeah, just dursted the whole two. secondary. <laughs> He's fast though. That guy has some speed. Um, but yeah, I think JJ McCarthy. So did he end up? Is he publicly now the starter? I didn't hear anything, but 
Shoot, I, I think he should be. I think he should be as well. He's a little more explosive to me than McNamara. Yeah, at, he just has a little livelier arm and yeah, just he's kind of he can kind of run a little bit too. Yeah, so. I don't know. He has that that swaggerish kind of jockey looking look. So I don't know. I kind of like that as a quarterback. You need a little swagger. So a little like like Burrow esque. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's only Hawaii, but he I mean, he's eleven at twelve for two hundred twenty nine yards and three touchdowns. So he's only nineteen too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we don't need to talk All... about that. We covered the spread. I'm happy. Let's yeah. hope for a win against Duquesne this week. Oh my gosh! Please, is are they? They're FCS, right? We went over this last week. They're an FCS team. E- I think so. I'm pretty sure. Or oh, D D two FCS, I don't know. They better win because I'm actually going to the game, so uh, I kind of want to see a, the first win in the Timmy Chang era in person. So that'll be pretty cool. Oh, you're going to the game? I am going to the game. Oh, fun! Oh, first yeah, time at TC Chang. They're FCS. <laughs> oh, I hope we win. I I don't even want to imagine what it would be like if they lost. Let's just pray. That would be scary. That would be scary. Oh, let's just pray that. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't want to think about it either. <laughs> um, all right. Well, good luck, Bose. Let's hope. Let's get a win this week, huh? Um, other college football stuff we can touch on. Uh, Alabama barely sneaked one out against Texas. Uh, Bryce Young, Heisman moment already. You know, had the big run, escape pressure. Uh Alabama, not as scary, though, to me this year. I don't know. It seems like they're lacking some of that dominance that we've seen. Well, the I think they're missing the, the weapons on the outside. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, last year they had Jamison Williams and John Mechie. So, you know, two NFL caliber receivers gone. And I, they don't really have that kind of core this year. So it's really Bryce Young, do your thing, make them good. And yeah, but the the one guy that they do have is Will Anderson Jr., their linebacker. That oh. dude is a stud. Yeah, he's a stud. He's I think going, he should be the first pick. He's going high. Like, that's how good yeah. he is. He should be picked over Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Like he is that good. <laughs> All right. Um, USC, they are looking strong. That new Lincoln Riley system. That offense. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Good. You know, they got all that NIL money they're paying out. Like, they better look good, right? But USC could be back. I think we were talking about them, you know. I, I said they were my sneaky pick to win the Pac-12. They're not my sneaky pick anymore. I think they're they're the favorites now to win the Pac-12. Utah and Oregon just don't look like they have that star power or, you know, explosive offense that can compete with us usc um i don't know i i got usc now i like usc against any of those pac-12 yeah. schools i called usc to make the college football playoff That's last true. week so it looks looks pretty good uh but i am i am a little concerned with their defense i think they gotta tighten that up a little bit but yeah their offense looks pretty scary <laughs> yeah um well speaking of playoff predictions i had notre dame as one of my sneaky ones uh, that's done. Uh, after their loss to Marshall, I don't know what happened. They were at home, 
against Marshall and just laid an egg. I think, well, their quarterback got hurt, but still, like, you don't lose to Marshall at home week one, right? New coach. You don't want that, you know, on your resume as a Notre Dame football head coach, right? Uh, yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of a rough start uh, for Notre Dame this year. And uh, the other big one, right, Texas A&M going down to App State. App State doing <laughs> their thing again, Appalachian State. Those guys are all just always play the D1 teams tough. I don't know how they even get recruits that can match up with these powerhouse SEC Big Ten schools, but... I remember when they beat Michigan, that was crazy. But, I mean, this year, A&M was ranked, what, sixth? Sixth, yep. Oh, man. So, a lot of shakeups. Uh, Georgia, though, I don't know if anyone's going to beat Georgia. Uh, it's going to be... I think Ohio State looks pretty good, though. Yeah, okay, yeah. DJ Stroud. Yeah. He's legit. I'm a little concerned with Clemson, though. <laughs> They just don't look clean. Like, Uyungle is just, I don't know what happened after that first year. Not the same quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I guess, I mean, he had big shoes to fill, right? Lawrence, Watson, but, you know, you kind of expect a lot out of these Clemson QBs now, five-star guys, right? Doesn't look like he just has that, that it factor so far. He has the tools, the physical tools. Right, he's a big dude. He can run a little bit. He has a good arm, but I don't know that winning gene isn't there. I guess, uh, for him. Yeah. But we'll we'll have to see there. Uh, we can wrap up college football. Uh, it was this is a long pod anyway. I'll just brag a little bit about my Dodgers. We clinched the playoffs, like I said. This whole season doesn't matter what happens in May. doesn't matter what happens in June. But now we're into September. We're clinching the, our playoff berth. We are one win away from clinching the division. Um, we can hold on to that first seed. You know, New York is falling a little bit. Atlanta's heating up. I'm kind of scared of Atlanta heating up again. But, you know, once we clinch the playoffs... Or and and the division, I have a little. I can put more focus onto football until playoff baseball actually starts. I'll say that. Um, but you know your Yankees, Matt. I don't. I I will say they had a very nice series win against the Rays. That was clutch because they're they're up five and a half now. Not you know sixteen or ten, but it's a lot better than three and a half, which was after Friday. So. Good, good bounce back. Aaron Judge, I think he's going to get that Roger Maris record. I think he needs seven more, 21 games, one every three. So I think he can do it. But at this point, just get in the damn playoffs. Like, <laughs> just get in the playoffs and give me a chance to celebrate something this year. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, then Albert hit his 697 home run. Uh, he's. I hope he gets a 700 this year. I think he can. Uh, that would be that would be really cool to see. Uh, but yeah, playoff baseball coming up soon. Matt, why don't you take us to our sports fact of the day and uh, wrap up this pod? All right. So today we're recording on September 12th. 
So back in 1988, uh, today was the first game the NFL played in Phoenix. And lo and behold, it was between the Cowboys and the Cardinals. And the Cowboys came on top in this one. This is the only time I'm going to say it. So how about them Cowboys, right? How about them Cowboys? I can't believe Skip Baylor said that on the show today. I mean, he just needed something to say. He's very positive, so. Delusional. All right. See, yeah. (laughs) We all think the same. We're all one big cowboy family here. Yeah, you delusional cowboy fans. Sorry, fanatics. That's why you are the fanatic, man. Um, But thanks, everyone, for listening. We know this was a long one, but, you know, football's back. We got a lot to talk about now. Uh, We will see you next week, though. Uh, Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later.